tortoise. Hello, I'm Tomini, and this is the Sensemaker from Tortoise. One story every day to make sense of the world. Over the weekend, multiple women accused Russell Brand of rape, sexual assault and abuse. In a video posted online, he denied the allegations. In today's episode, what does Russell Brand's response and how he published it tell us about his online influence? That's after a short break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On Friday, Russell Brand published a video online. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Now, this isn't the usual type of video we make on this channel where we critique, attack and undermine the news in all its corruption, because in this story, I am the news. In it, he said he was facing a series of very serious allegations, but he didn't say what they were. Within hours, we knew. In a detailed joint investigation by the Sunday Times, The Times and Channel 4's dispatches, four women accused Brand of sexual assaults that occurred when he was at the height of his fame, between 2006 and 2013. More than one woman alleges that Brand was emotionally abusive towards them. One, who is using the pseudonym Alice, described having a relationship with him when she was 16 and he was 31. I was pushing him away, pushing him away, and... He wasn't, he wasn't backing off at all. And so I ended up having to punch him really hard in the stomach to get him off. And then he like, finally, then he like moved, fell backwards. And I was crying and he said, oh, I only want to see your mascara run anyway. In his video, Russell Brand strenuously denied the allegations and said that all his relationships have been consensual. And he suggested, without evidence, that in fact he was the victim, and that the allegations were part of a coordinated attack from mainstream media outlets in an attempt to silence him. Is there another agenda at play? Particularly when we've seen coordinated media attacks before, like with Joe Rogan, when he dared to take a medicine that the mainstream media didn't approve of. I'm aware that you guys have been saying in the comments for a while, watch out Russell, they're coming for you, you're getting too close to the truth. To understand his claim and how it's been received, you have to understand the new brand, Russell. Russell Brand made his name as a stand-up comedian in the early noughties. He was also a presenter on the BBC and Channel 4, who were both facing questions about what they knew about his behaviour. He even appeared in Hollywood films like Forgetting Sarah Marshall. But now his biggest audiences are online. Chris Stokel Walker is a tech journalist who's written books on both YouTube and TikTok. We asked him about Russell Brand's new media empire. Russell Brand, over the last five or so years, has been cultivating this personality against the mainstream media. He's kind of been seen as a, a kind of fringe leader 
of lots of anti-establishment tropes. So in recent years, kind of uh, against vaccines for COVID, uh, against big tech, and it's kind of an extension of what he's been doing previously. At the centre of everything is Russell Brand's YouTube channel. He first started making news-adjacent videos in 2014, but interest really picked up during the pandemic, when he started discussing conspiracy theories about COVID. But he's been fueling the YouTube algorithm by posting videos you know, every day or two on the subjects that he thinks will appeal to sort of people who are disenfranchised with everyday life and, and mainstream media and, and kind of um, big government decisions and has gained a pretty big audience of around about six and a half million subscribers on YouTube for it. It's hard to know exactly how much Russell Brand earns from YouTube, but we know more views means more money. I wouldn't be surprised if given his audience and given the dedication of them, it is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that he earns every single year from adverts. Other experts have estimated that he earns between two and four thousand pounds per video. So YouTube's decision this week to demonetize his channel, suspending him from its partner program, meaning he can no longer make money from advertising, could have a serious impact on his bank balance. It's a decision they've made before, most notably in 2018 when YouTuber Logan Paul videoed and then made jokes about a dead body. In a statement, YouTube said it suspended Russell Brand's channels for violating its creator responsibility policy. YouTubers operate this kind of weird space where they're simultaneously independent contractors. You have uh, no accountability almost to YouTube and can do whatever they want. And yet they are also touted as the faces of these platforms. So the reason that so many people come to it. YouTube is giving him that megaphone and that ultimately becomes a risk for them. So they decided to step in and essentially take away his money pot. Podcast company Acast has also turned off ads on Russell Brand's Under the Skin series. But he still has other options. We'll have more after the break. Hello, I'm Jeevan Varsaga. I'm climate editor at Tortoise and host of a new podcast called Counter Crisis from the Centre for Disaster Protection, a UK government-funded international organisation which works to change how the world plans and pays for disasters. If you've followed the news, you'll know that more people than ever are in need of humanitarian assistance. War and climate change are affecting millions, but the solutions haven't really kept pace. Finance is key. We saw during the pandemic that the countries that found it easiest to borrow money were the most able to respond, and not the countries that were the most affected. Across three episodes covering disasters, the losses caused by climate change, and our response to disease outbreaks, I'm going to try and make sense of this. Why are the current ways we respond to crises inadequate, and how can we do better? I'll be speaking to experts to rethink the recovery from crisis and find out why prearranged finance can help get aid where it's needed. You can listen now. Search for Counter Crisis wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the feed to make sure you don't miss an episode. So alongside uh, Russell Brand's YouTube channel, uh, he also has uh, one foot on another platform, which is quite a, a canny move from him because he'll have seen previous examples of um, 
individuals who inhabit the same sort of you know, fringe spaces as him online, finding their, yeah, their YouTube accounts have been either demonetized or completely deactivated and banned for some sort of breach of community guidelines on the platform. And so he, he's sort of given himself an out. Russell Brand has a small but committed following on the social media platform Rumble, a conservative-friendly YouTube alternative with a more lax attitude to content moderation. Other users include Donald Trump and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Cultivating these online communities gives Russell Brand a direct line to his supporters and allows them to directly fund him. He also has some vocal backers in the media, including a GB News presenter and Telegraph columnist. But elsewhere, the tide has turned. His tour has now been postponed, the BBC and Channel 4 have removed programmes he's appeared in, and on Monday, the Metropolitan Police said that it had received an allegation of sexual assault against Russell Brand dating back to 2003. Russell Brand hasn't addressed the allegations since he strenuously denied them in that online video over the weekend. His lawyers accused the Times and Sunday Times of a concerted campaign against their client, who believes that there is a, quote, deeply concerning agenda to all this, namely the fact that he is an alternative media broadcaster competing with mainstream media. They had been given eight days to respond to the allegations, including information to enable him to recall the alleged incidents. Speaking to Emma Barnett on Radio 4's Women's Hour, Alice said his response had been insulting. Are you hurt by his response? Um, I expected it. I expected him to do something, you know, probably outside of the usual press release or, you know, statement by a publicist or by a, you know, drafted by a lawyer. I, I expected it to be slightly offish, but what I've been preparing myself for a long time, that he's not just going to say, I'm sorry, I did it and put his hands up to it. Thank you for listening to The Sensemaker from Tortoise. This episode was written and reported by Claudia Williams. It was mixed by Imi Harper. We've just launched a new podcast with polling guru Professor Sir John Curtis and one of Westminster's sharpest political minds, Rachel Wolfe. It's called Trendy, and every week they explore some of the key social, political and economic changes that help explain what people think and why politicians do what they do. As Britain enters an election year, there are no two people who can better help you navigate the trends shaping our national debate to understand what lies behind the often bewildering day-to-day news headlines. To listen, just search for Trendy wherever you get your podcasts. There's a new episode every Thursday. Tortoise. Hello, I'm Jeevan Varsaga. I'm climate editor at Tortoise and host of a new podcast called Counter Crisis from the Centre for Disaster Protection, a UK government-funded international organisation which works to change how the world plans and pays for disasters. If you follow the news, you'll know that more people than ever are in need of humanitarian assistance. War and climate change are affecting millions, but the solutions haven't really kept pace. Finance is key, We saw during the pandemic that the countries that found it easiest to borrow money were the most able to respond and not the countries that were the most affected. 
across three episodes covering disasters, the losses caused by climate change, and our response to disease outbreaks, I'm going to try and make sense of this. Why are the current ways we respond to crises inadequate? And how can we do better? I'll be speaking to experts to rethink the recovery from crisis and find out why pre-arranged finance can help get aid where it's needed. You can listen now. Search for Counter Crisis wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the feed to make sure you don't miss an episode. <laughs>